have a picture actually of me sitting on the floor at Dub and Olive at the checkout stand. We had just cleared all of the furniture out. And you always hear the statistics of like, you know, most businesses fail within the first year. And I was that, I mean, it was May, 2020. I opened May 19 and I was just like, I'm I'm the statistic. And now my family is gonna have to suffer because I had this crazy dream. Mm -hmm. And so I would literally just tell her to not give up. Hello, and welcome to the Founder Shares podcast. We're so happy that you've chosen to spend some time with us. I'm your host, Trevor Schmidt. I'm an attorney at Hutchison, a law firm in Raleigh, North Carolina. We work with founders and entrepreneurs in technology and life science companies, start up, operate, get funded, and exit. We are daily inspired by the people we work with and want a chance to share some of these stories with you, our listener. So whether you're already an entrepreneur want to be one someday, or are just fascinated by the stories of how a business goes from idea to success, or not such a success. This podcast is for you. Today's guest is Hannah Weisberg, founder and CEO of the Women's Social Club, a women supporting women platform and community that has expanded from one location in Raleigh to 10 locations in two years. It's a movement that's spreading throughout the Southeast and throughout the country. The Women's Social Club is not Hannah's first venture though. She'd been bouncing around jobs and advertising when she decided one day it was time for something different. So when we moved back, my husband and I from New York City in 2018, we moved back to Raleigh and I was really needing community. We had a great community up in the city and you know, you spend a lot of your life outside of your home yeah. when you're in the city. You go for walks and play dates and meetups and we just didn't really have that here. We were either in a car or at home or in a building, like we weren't really meeting people. And so I ended up having this idea literally at our breakfast counter with him. And I was like, what if I just like opened my own space? That space ended up being Dove and Olive, a coffee shop and wine bar that opened in May of 2019. The vision was for it to be a place that was all about community and meeting new people. Anna describes herself as an extroverted introvert. So meeting people didn't always come easy. So she built a place where others like her could connect. And that community manifested itself right away, but not exactly in the way she imagined. So people started renting out the space, which completely pivoted the business plan. (laughs) And that happened almost immediately. We created the space. We had beautiful furniture, Mm -hmm. and it was very much a, like I said, a gathering space. And immediately when we open the doors, people tell you what they want. And they're like, so I would love to host my birthday party here. Or Mm. my friend's having a graduation. Like, do you ever rent it out? And I was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And so I put together different offerings. And then we started actually doing so many bookings that we weren't able to keep our regular business hours. And so I was like, this is confusing. We need to just completely shift into the workshops, and private event space. Okay. How did that feel for you, kind of making that pivot? It was such a relief because I feel like when I just created the space, you know, you're just starting and putting whatever you think will work. Right. And that's what I always tell people to do. Like, what you start with won't necessarily be what ends up being or what you end up with, but you have to start. You have Mm -hmm. to put it out there first. And people will tell you what they want. If you hear it, from more than one person, 
I feel like that's a good sign that, especially if they don't know each other, they've had no idea that someone else is bringing this to you. Right. It's a pretty good indicator of, I could, I should consider this and yeah. take this seriously. I, I think that's so important because I think, like you said, you can't be frozen in the spot, not putting yourself out there, not putting your business out there, but then listening to your customers, listening to what they want, what they need, and being able to adapt your business is so important. Yes. So we fully moved into this event and workshop space, and then 2020 happened. We had our entire 2020 calendar booked with oh events, goodness. private events, workshops. We had the Women's Social Club scheduled to launch in March 2020, um, and it was really going to be a women in business sort of co-working mixed with socials. So very different from what it is today. Okay. But that was the whole vision for 2020. And then that all went in a completely other direction. So I was actually just thinking about this the other day, kind of those early days of the pandemic when you're like, you're hearing the news and it's kind of somewhere else, but it's slowly kind of getting closer and closer. I guess talk through that kind of as the business owner at that time. What was that experience like? When did you realize that this is this is really going to impact my business? And just kind of talk through that. So at first, it didn't really hit me. I'm pre- I'm a pretty positive person, so in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be like two weeks, worst case, a month. In the background, we were working on finalizing a contract with a company literally up the hill from us to be an extension of our space. It was just an outdoor space. It overlooked the city. And we were going to basically have an outdoor element to Dove and Olive. And we had the contract written. We were just negotiating terms with a lawyer and everything shut down. So obviously that stalled, but it wasn't canceled yet because we didn't know. So I really just threw myself into doing, you know, social media and really talking about the future and how, okay, we have to be outdoors. Well, we have this outdoor element potentially. And so that obviously didn't happen and come to be. I think whenever that contract fell through and I had my landlord for Dove and Olive and he was like, okay, we have to make a decision. I have to kind of know if you're going to be able to move forward or not. And so May of 2020 was when I had to be like, okay, so we can't continue to pay for a space that we're not making money on. So that was when we closed was the end of May. Yeah. Uh, Just so talk through that a little bit, because I, I just can't imagine how hard that was to be so excited about it already a year into it seeing growth, seeing people excited about it. So what was kind of that personal experience like, just having something out of your control take your business away? It was devastating, and it was beyond devastating. And yes, it was a worldwide pandemic, so it was so much bigger than just what I was experiencing. So you had this feeling of, well, I should be thankful because we have my husband's income to help supplement where now I'm no longer able to contribute but at the same time, like, we were just making it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were just breaking even, starting to be profitable. Like, we had figured out the business. Like, we were about to plan our one-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so I was devastated. Yeah. It was like having the rug ripped out from under you. And I really didn't do – once I closed the business, I kind of went into this feel sorry for myself and – give myself space to just not think about anything. Just be sad and be with my family. And then 
when I felt like it was right in my gut, kind of revisit where can we go from here. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it's a pretty big hit. And then to get back up and say like, all right, I'm going to start a new business. How did you find, I guess, the, the inner gumption to do that or to be encouraged? Like, I can do this. I can go out and start something new. Thankfully, I had the Women's Social Club idea pre-pandemic. Okay. And so that was kind of in the works. I met with my business coach at the time, and I kind of ran through ideas I had of pivoting that mm-hmm. business and it being more women coming together in a more personal, social way versus a business way. But it was also the pandemic. So it was August of 2020 when I was meeting with her. And I was like, you know, how am I going to form this in-person gathering group when you're not allowed to gather in person? Right. How do we, how do we form a social <laughs> business when we can't be social, right? Yes. But I was like, I know I need it mm-hmm. so much. So I know there are other people out there. And I was like, we can only have 15 people. So 15 was the max number of people you could have gathering. And that was kind of what we decided should be the limit. And then from there, we would have a wait list. Okay. And we were still partnering with people that I had partnered with at Women at Dove and Olive, where I had connections with all of these business owners who we partnered with before. So I was like, would you want to come and teach a class or a session in a park? We would team up with Loading Dock on their rooftop. Watson Ward let us use their patio. Okay. So different outdoor spaces. And it was awesome. It was just so fulfilling. I will never forget our first event because it was it was so needed. Mm-hmm. And you could see other people just lighting up and being fulfilled yeah. by what they were experiencing. So what, so what was that first event? So we did a networking event at Loading Dock. Okay. And it was so sad because we were supposed to be on their roof. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, five minutes before it started, it started raining. Oh, no. And I was just like, oh, my God, we can't be inside. Right. What we ended up doing, we pivoted. That's like the keyword to, I think, just business in general is just being open and flexible. So we ended up doing it in their downstairs space. They had sort of two rooms. Mm-hmm. So we laid it out. We had doors and windows open. Everyone was wearing masks. Um, and we had Kiara Ruth come and speak about imposter syndrome. Okay. And so she started the event, and that really set the tone, which told me, okay, having women start our events by sharing their stories immediately puts everyone else at ease mm-hmm. and in this vulnerable headspace. Right. So that has actually played a huge role in building what we have today. And then following her speaking session, we did like a speed networking, speed dating, and everyone had note cards Mm -hmm. with different questions. And every five minutes, they would rotate. And so everyone got to speak with everyone that was there, and everyone was exchanging information and I, I don't think I slept for two days because I was on such a high from that experience. Mm. And that's when I knew. I was like, yes, like so, this is going to be something. So how did you attract the, the first group of women who came to that event? I had had my Dove and Olive Instagram. So mm-hmm. we had a decent following and everyone, and I was continuing to post even when I didn't have a business anymore. Mm. Just I'm trying to figure this out. I really want to keep doing something. And 
So when I formed the Women's Social Club, I was like, so we're putting this together for 15 people. If you want to sign up for a membership, we have, it's going to launch at 6 a.m. on this Friday. Okay. And it sold out day one. That's amazing. Yes. And it helped fund everything that we did for those first six months. So after that first event, and you kind of come off the high of that first event, I guess, what was the next step? How did you kind of then make it into more of just, not just one event or two events, but into a business? So the time from September 2020, when we launched through December 2020, I really spent a lot of that time asking the women who were our founding members what this looked like to them. Like, Mm -hmm. what needs was this meeting? Like, what we could be doing better? Like, what they wanted to see? And that's when we really launched what has shaped into what we have today in January 2021, where we started having multiple chapter events in person, offering visitor tickets Mm -hmm. so people could come and test it out. We partnered with Y Hill beginning in January 2021 to be our place. So they were our hub. We only did events there. Um, They had a nice patio with open air, but they also had heaters. Okay. So it was comfortable Mm -hmm. and people weren't really out and about yet. So we kind of had the space to ourselves. And then we were also supporting Sarah and her husband, Chris, with Y Hill because we had 15 to 20 women coming three times a month. Right. So how would you describe the vision or what what do you see the Women's Club accomplishing or what do you hope to accomplish with it? I think it's really simple, providing opportunities for women. So whether it's looking for personal friendships, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of us are, professional connections, and that can look like, you know, something local where you're looking to expand or grow in your role or looking to switch industries, having access to do that. Connections, that's how people get to move around more easily in jobs, Um, but also relocating. So we have an app for the community now, which we've had since May 2021. And that enables our women to have a directory for everyone that's a member in the club, whether they're local or in other locations. Now, so it started in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. At what point in time did you kind of expand to different geographies? So last year was, so 2022 was the year that we focused on scaling. So we were really intentional with it. I was like, I'm going to start in a completely different size style demo city. Okay. Because in order to really know if this is going to scale and work, we need to do it in the hardest possible place, which is New York City. Okay. (laughs) I like that. Pick the biggest (laughs) challenge and go go take that hill. (laughs) Yes. And I had lived there before not long ago. So I kind of had some people I knew that were still there. Mm -hmm. I knew some business owners there and I knew my way around. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing pop-ups in February of 2022. And we did that through the summer. And it was just once a month, I would fly up there every month. And we built sort of like this founding member base. That's when I built what we have now, which is the guidebook. So when I formed it here in Raleigh, you know, there was no plan. Mm -hmm. And we were getting all of these inquiries from other states. Like, I would love to bring it here. But I'm like, how do I don't even know what I did. Right. Right. So I had to start from scratch and sort of document the process. Well, I mean, it's interesting because as I think about it, one of the challenges I would perceive, at least for this type of a business, is it could be based around your personality. 
people come out because they love you, they love what you've built, and the people that kind of attract themselves to you kind of creates a community. But that's super hard to kind of scale. So I guess talk through some of that challenge and how do you make it not just about you? So really focusing on our leadership team. Mm -hmm. So we have chapter directors and they are the point person for their chapter. We do two mainly for, for most of our chapters. Raleigh's the only one where we do more, um, but two chapter events a month. And those are really great for just standing dates. Mm -hmm. So you have this, you can buy tickets, you can come, members get a reduced ticket. But with our app, we really encourage like the whole magic and point of the club isn't me, mm -hmm. it isn't your team. It's having access to self-plan, self-organize, grab a cup of coffee with another woman. The only reason that everyone is on our app is to literally meet other people. Right. So if you cold DM someone, they're going to DM you back. And if it works with their schedule, they're absolutely going to meet up with you. Mm -hmm. So it's a safe space. Yep. So that's been kind of the the goal. So in scaling, we really depend and, and lean on our team members to help with, you know, being the point person there. They do set the tone when it comes to just the approach and like, having that open arms, like welcoming, mm -hmm. putting everyone at ease. So that's definitely a focus. So how many markets are you in now? Ten. Ten. So have you started to see with like these different markets, do different areas have different kind of flavors to their groups or are they, is there some uniformity across it? Yeah. I mean, it definitely varies. Our chapter directors, their personalities come through for sure. Mm -hmm. And then depending on where you are geographically, people enjoy different types of things. Mm. Our meal events are really the, the hub of what we do. So dinners, brunches, happy hours, we keep them really small, like eight to 10 people max, mm -hmm. um, any more than that. And you're not really going to meet anyone. Right. So we want everyone to get to know each other at these. And I feel like it's a great way to like build the base of the community with those. But then we also do workshops and experiences with different business owners. Okay. And so how do you, how do you think about and keeping it kind of that safe space as you continue to grow and as your network gets bigger and bigger, you know, I think it creates more challenges to kind of keep that initial f feeling or uh, security that you had at the beginning. How do, how do you think about that? Well, one of the things that we had started to do when we were initially scaling was creating different Instagram accounts for each chapter. Okay. But as we started scaling and trying it out, um, it had pros and cons, and it's really just a different strategy. Mm -hmm. It could have worked. But what I found was it started to feel a little franchisey. Like, yep. you know, this chapter is separate from this chapter, and what we wanted people to do was feel like we were one community mm -hmm. because people do travel and go to events and meet up with people outside of where they live. A lot of the women in our community travel for work. Mm -hmm. So it does give them opportunities to get together. But yes, it's it's been a focus of ours to, in order to keep it feeling like that, that safe space, it's really about keeping things intimate and small. Okay. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered so far in the business? I think people. I think finding the right team members. And I've not ever had anyone that I've experienced that wasn't a good fit. It may just not have been the right time. Okay. Like we have people come into our leadership roles because at that moment it works well with their schedule. But then great things happen. They get promoted. Mm -hmm. They have big life changes. And so... 
they have to move out of those roles, but we're able to find other people to slide in. And so I think just maintaining the level of commitment and just passion um, while our chapter directors get paid, they also are doing this for, you know, they love it. They're excited by it. Mm -hmm. So what's something that surprised you kind of in this process? I mean, just where I am now. I mean, literally today, so we're in late January now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not even flown to New York yet to try the first pop-up outside of Raleigh. And less than a year later, we have 10 chapters. We have an app. We have 35 team members. It's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Just the the amount of growth that you, you know, you're know you experiencing, it's, it's fantastic. So congratulations. Thank you. So I, what are some of the... I guess, memorable conversations or connections that you've made or that you've heard other women make kind of through this group? And are there any stories that you can kind of share about what this has meant to people? Yes. We've had a lot of women at this point. We've been together for over two years. So women have gotten married and had babies and they have formed lifelong friendships. Mm -hmm. I see them, you know, on social gathering. And I think for me, that's so cool. Like when they met, they were either not engaged yet Mm -hmm. or had just gotten married. And now here they are sitting together with their babies playing on the couch and they never would have met in any other way. That's one thing I love about the community. None of us are the same. All of us are different in every aspect Mm -hmm. of what we do, who we are, um, our hobbies, our interests. And yet it's so seamless in terms of, because it's attracting people that are there for the same reasons, I think. But yes, that has been one aspect. The other aspect is seeing life-changing money come into the hands of women-owned businesses. So some of the women that we've partnered with have been going through, you know, when we first found them, they might have been floundering or just launching, not having their own space, Mm -hmm. to now, I mean, they have long-term profitable relationships with the women they've met through our community whether it be memberships or subscription services. And, you know, for some women, this can be like an additional $5,000 a month Mm -hmm. that has helped them move the needle. Now they have like multiple prongs to their business and then they're helping other women do that. So I think for me, that's been the real reward. That's amazing. And so do you attribute that to, I don't know, mentorship kind of with the program, or is it just providing more eyes to their businesses? How How is the Women's Social Club kind of impacting these other businesses? Just making the intro. Okay. So we just create the opportunity. So we're like, hey, like, this is this women-owned business. We've been using them, or we just found them for this. We'll do a workshop or have them come be a speaker at a dinner, and they'll share their stories. Sh- they'll share about their products. Okay. Um, if it's a workshop, they actually get to teach us part of what they do. And that creates that personal relationship. Right. So women are very emotional spenders. We will spend all day long, even the money we don't have, with people that we are passionate about supporting. Mm-hmm. And we will drive further to support those people if we're passionate about that. And that starts with personal relationships. So what are some of the examples of these workshops that these women are leading? Is it specific related to their industry or is it just about business in general? Talk a little bit about that. So it's a mix. Most of them are not for, you know, just one specific industry. They're not like a women in business focus. It's more just having fun. 
So we'll do like pottery making or floral arranging. We've done an ABCs to CBD workshop, which was really interesting. That was fun. And then we've done coaching. So Mm -hmm. we've done future boards, which we had Sarah Huntington Harper on our podcast talking about that all across the board. So tell me a little bit, are there kind of in your interactions, have you seen consistent challenges that that, that kind of the women that you're interacting with are facing? And how has the, the club kind of helped address those? I think a lot of our women are going through different life changes. We don't have a lot of churn. So people come to us a lot when they're going through big life changes, whether they've just moved or they're in a new phase of life. But we don't see them leave like mm. once they've sort of moved out of that space, which is really encouraging because that means we're meeting needs after that initial one, um, which is the goal. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the demographic. Are you seeing kind of a wide variety of ages? Are they kind of a a certain stage in their careers or is it varied? The majority of our members kind of fall within that late 20s to early 40s. Um, But I'm in my early 40s, and I have had women be, you know, in their 50s come to our events or even older than that. And it's really cool to see women come that are in completely different spaces and Mm -hmm. and phases of life. It really helps, I don't know, grow the relationships in in a deeper way because everyone's able to get something out of those relationships. So I know for me personally, I've learned a lot from our younger members Mm -hmm. about just being more in control of like my decision making and my money Mm -hmm. and things like that. I did not have a lot of independence when I was growing up. Um, I was very much like mentally, like emotionally, physically dependent on other people. And I feel like women are conditioned a lot of times to feel that dependence and seeing young women today, like they are not, they Mm. are not wired that way. And I think it gives us that are a little bit older, the courage to be like, well, dang, like, (laughs) I mean, I'm just starting my business and a lot of the the women entrepreneurs I follow are in their, you know, early to mid twenties and they're doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, 20 years older than them, but it inspires me. It doesn't feel like I'm limited, like I missed my window. So I think it provides a good segue because like, you know, you talk about some of the challenges that you have to face and seeing some of these women kind of overcome that in their journeys. What have been some of the challenges that you personally have overcome to get to where you are right now with your business? I mean, gosh, I've grown into a completely different person for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to be the person where if I went to something and didn't know someone, I would never, I couldn't even introduce myself, much less start or have or facilitate a conversation with strangers. And with the club, it's funny because in the beginning, I can see myself, we would have these events And I would like quickly introduce our event partner and like run away, like run off the side. But then as, you know, you just work that muscle and you get more comfortable being uncomfortable. So now it's not scary to me. I'm super comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. I think knowing that everyone there is nervous. A lot of times it's like we don't know everyone there even to today, like because we have so many visitors and new people come. So it's still scary for me a little bit, but I think overcoming or gaining confidence just in myself overall has been the biggest challenge. Well, I think it's interesting you mentioned that because at the beginning of the interview, you talked about being kind of an introvert. 
And I think sometimes we envision entrepreneurs as always these outgoing extroverts. They love people. They feed off that energy. And so to know that somebody, probably I relate much more to being introverted, can go out there and kind of start this business and have that opportunity, um, I, think, I think it's very encouraging. So is there anything particular that helped you to kind of overcome that step? Or like you said, was it just kind of having repeat opportunities to practice being uncomfortable? Yeah, it was just doing it over and over again. And it, I am not perfect and I have failed more times than I've succeeded in almost every part of the business. But you learn so much that no one can teach you. Mm -hmm. No one's business is the same. No one's personality, no one's strengths, no one's weaknesses. And so if I would have, I mean, I've tried to hire business coaches and hire outside people and it's been helpful for very specific things. But every time I try to look outside and have someone help me, it completely derails everything because I'm the only one that knows how to do what I'm doing right now for this phase of business. And our chapter directors are really stretching me. I think that's something that's been an area of growth for me is, you know, I have to fully let go. We're at a stage now where I cannot be involved in the day-to-day fully. And so really like trusting these people, like giving them the tools and then just... I trust you fully and them coming back and like telling me how it went. And just, I think that's been the coolest part. It's helping me understand, okay, this is much bigger than just me and my vision, like allowing other people to be a part of it, but then always staying true to my gut. Mm -hmm. So as the founder and CEO, making sure that everything always stays true to our mission. And how do you do that? I mean, especially as you expand into new markets where you might not have a connection and you're adding on these the, the leads for that market, how do you impart that vision to them? Or how do you kind of convey your vision for the business and make sure that they understand? I think you just know when you meet people. Mm. So like when we interview and have an onboarding with like chapter directors and things like that, we have a sort of simplified version of what's expected, like roles and responsibilities that before I even schedule a call with someone, I will send to them. Okay. So it kind of lays out like, this is generally what you're going to be responsible for doing. And, you know, that weeds out a lot of people because it's very clear, like, this is how much time it will take. This is kind of what's expected. And so from there, we have a phone call. And I think you just know, I think they know, I think I know When you meet, I'd say that all of our chapter directors are totally different, Mm -hmm. um, but they have a very similar personality in that they put the people there around at ease. Okay. So when I'm talking to them and interviewing them, they make me feel comfortable, and I think that's a good guide. That's interesting. So you mentioned, um, you know, that you've had some failures along the way. Anything that comes to mind that you'd be willing to share? Oh, my gosh. So pricing strategy. Okay. So I have a lot of people. This is one thing that really drives me crazy about women specifically in business is, you know, they give away all the things that they have literally spent thousands of dollars and time and energy to learn and discover over a cup of coffee to mm, someone else. Right. I mean, this is the discovery process of building your business is your secret sauce. And so 
I would say coming up with my pricing strategy. So at first we were an all-inclusive community. Mm -hmm. So basically all-inclusive pricing. So we had um, our membership was more expensive, but it covered everything. So whether it was a workshop, dinner, like whatever it was. Okay. And it was $87 a month to do two events. The problem with that, and we had that for the majority of 2021, and I lost insane amounts of money because Mm. of this. The problem with that is when you have event partners, which is what our event tickets go towards and their costs, and you have people where it's all inclusive. So technically like they would register, but it's, it's almost like free to them because they're not paying for that ticket. So they wouldn't show up where I would have paid for 15 people to come to this watercolor event where it was, I don't know, $50 a person to like our venue partner and five showed up. Mm. It would just get to this point where it also limited who we could partner with because we wouldn't be able to do workshops over a certain amount, meaning we couldn't support as many businesses because I would be paying well over that $87 a month just for that one experience which I did Mm. by mistake, of course. So just learning like pricing strategy. So that was when I was like, okay, we need the membership to be separate. Okay. Because the membership goes towards the community even existing. So it goes towards like our whole staffing, organizing, planning, the app, everything that you get to see and experience, it covers that. Mm -hmm. And that's what helps it run itself. Our event tickets go towards our venue and event partners. So that's kind of how it's split out. And then it enables us to be super flexible. Sure. And what did you get some pushback from the constituents, I guess, when you change your pricing structure or were people understanding? Not much, surprisingly. I think people really understood and they're able to like gauge their budgets. Mm. So Because people can just meet up on our app and they don't have to go to events to be an active part of the club. Like, you don't have to buy tickets. Like, you could go months without coming to any of our chapter events and still be getting plenty of use out of your membership. And then if you want to go to chapter events, you have, you know, a few to choose from and you can set your budget. Like, what you can afford to do that month might look different than the next month. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do you think about kind of the competitive landscape that's out there and how you differentiate your business compared to, I don't know, you know, you get a giant social media outlets out there, connect people, and then you have, you know, small local communities that are trying to create a sense of people gathering together. How do you kind of differentiate? I think it's a very careful balance. Um, It's very, very easy to have, you know, that competitive mindset almost in a way where it debilitates you from growing. Mm -hmm. Because if you hold so much close, close to the vest, like it really just like it gives you a glass ceiling, like you can't go beyond a certain level. And all you can think about and see is what person A is doing for, Mm -hmm. for their business that you're not doing. And so what I've kind of learned is the most um, successful thing that, you know, I do is I keep my blinders on. Mm. I'm always aware of what the competition is and kind of what they're doing, but everyone does it so different. So we have a mission that's very different. Our events are very different. The way we've built our community is totally different. We have people on our team who are actual members of other communities 
in cities they live in and they're ambassadors for women's social clubs. So it really does show that you can be involved in more than one. There's enough space out there for for all of you. Yes. Yes. So so are you taking on investment now? Do you envision it at some point in the future or do you hope to grow organically? So yes, we are hoping to raise by the end of this year. Um, We're at a point where we can keep scaling the way that we're scaling but we need to be able to build our internal team, mm-hmm. um, build out, you know, more features for our community that, you know, just aren't covered by what we currently are bringing in. And that will help scale us faster and reach more women faster. Right. So right now we're very much, you know, dependent on the bottleneck that is me. And I don't want, you know, people email me all the time from like Dallas and Ontario and all these places. And they're like, what if they're neighbors with this other person who emailed me from Dallas? And they're literally are looking for a friend and I'm the middle person and I just don't have the bandwidth to get there yet. So having funding will enable us to just do exactly what we're doing on a bigger level faster. And how do you find the uh, the whole seeking investment process? Because I, I know that's a whole different side of the business than kind of running it. So I've only dipped my toe in. Okay. And it has been very um, scary, to say the least, especially as a woman. There aren't a lot of female investors. Mm-hmm. And then the female investor networks are, I don't know. I don't feel like there's a lot of money out there for communities. Right especially what we're building. And so talking people into the fact that this is such a big need, especially following a pandemic, and we have the numbers to to back it up. Yeah. So just a lot of rejection, <laughs> I think. Is, yeah. I've been rejected so much through this process. But yes, like investment is very scary for me because of the level of it rejection that comes with it. Yeah, I think, think that's tough. You have so many conversations that don't lead anywhere, but you just have to have those one or two that kind of lead to that point where you, somebody writes a check, right? Yes, and I think something that's so frustrating is seeing people, you know, especially young guys who are in tech mm-hmm. and like they come out with these ideas, they don't even have a business yet and they get millions in funding. I have a business that's already built, already scaled, we're profitable. And then finding funding is yes. hard. Yes, the imbalance <laughs> in investment is, is a problem that the entire community needs to address. Yes. But, yeah. So where do you see the company in, in five years? I see us being international. Where, where do you hope is the first non-U.S.-based location? We have a wait list currently in London and in Paris. We also have a wait list in Sydney, Australia. Wow, that's so exciting. Yes. So those are kind of the places, I mean, on my radar right now. Um, I know that especially in France, like the whole bringing your business into different countries and tax laws and Mm -hmm. things like that, I will definitely be working with my lawyer. That's a whole nother thing. But yeah, I see it being international and I see it being app driven. So it really being about women being able to communicate via the app and meet each other and opening up opportunities. That's exciting. So uh, would you go to each of the launches? Paris? I mean, yes, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. Uh, So I guess as you think back at, at this point, what is what are you most proud of with with either kind of the first business with Women's Social Club or just where you're at today? I think I'm most proud of women. I mean, it's really shown me that more of us are on board to support each other than aren't. 
Um, before doing this, I think I had a very skewed view where I felt like women were against each other. There was always room for one. Like, they didn't want to make friends. And I think I'm just so proud of us in this community because we've proven that we do want to support each other. Mm, that's exciting. I, I guess thinking back, you know, to where you were at in 2020 after the pandemic hit and your other business closed down, if you could talk to yourself then from where you're at now, what would you tell yourself? Not to give up. I remember sitting, I have a picture actually of me sitting on the floor at Dove and Olive at the checkout stand. We had just cleared all of the furniture out. And I remember sitting there and taking a picture and everything I had worked for. We had a huge loan and I was just like, this is it. Mm. And you always hear the statistics of like, you know, most businesses fail within the first year. And I was that, I mean, it was May, 2020. I opened May 19 and I was just like, I'm, I'm the statistic. And now my family is going to have to suffer because I had this crazy dream. Mm. And so I would literally just tell her to not give up. I love it. So so we are the, the Founder Shares podcast. So I always like to ask all of our guests that if you had one piece of advice that you wanted to share with a, a founder who's thinking about starting a business or is already running a business, what would that advice be? To talk about it. I think the scariest part is putting it out there. And I see so many quotes on like Pinterest and places like that where it's like, keep it quiet and your actions will show like the results and all of that. No, I think talking about it, because when you talk about it, you don't know who you're talking to, who they're connected to, like how that's going to set you up. That's how the ball gets rolling. Well, I think that's interesting because you mentioned the fact that after your first business had closed down that you kept kind of posting, you kept kind of that community together talking about what you were thinking about doing. And because you did that, you know, when you had your first event, there was a group of people who, who came out to that. So Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's that's great advice because, like you said, you don't know who's on the receiving end of that. Exactly. And I think there are more people that will be there to support you and connect you than you're probably aware of. Yeah, and you might not even know, you know, it might not be at that moment that that connection happens. It may be months, weeks, years down the road, yeah. So I understand you launched a podcast recently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so the Women's Social Club podcast, it's very much an extension of what we do at our events. So as I mentioned before, storytelling with our event partners or speakers them telling us more about not just their career journeys, but their personal journeys. Mm -hmm. That is um, what the podcast does. So we dive in deeper. When we're at an event, I mean, we are limited by, first of all, there's so many people and asking questions and we have experiences or workshops tied to it. So it's a more condensed version. And so with the podcast, we're able to really have that uninterrupted storytelling experience. So have you enjoyed that process of, of being a podcaster? Yeah, it's definitely my new favorite thing. Oh, like, good. I love it so much. Um, getting to hear stories from other women never, it just never disappoints. And it's like a renewed source of inspiration because even with where we are now, there's definitely days and times where you're like, oh my God why am I doing this? Like, I'm never going to get there. And then you come to these and you talk to women and you hear and it just refills your cup. Mm -hmm. 
So do you have a dream guest of somebody you'd like to have on your podcast that you haven't interviewed yet? I mean, oh my God, if it's a dream, like if I just put it out there, I mean, Reese Witherspoon would be like my dream. That's and I have toyed with the idea of tagging her on like Instagram and IG. And I think she's a huge inspiration of what a women-owned business can do. Mm -hmm. And like she just sold one of her businesses and she's continuing to just have this momentum and grow the women in business space. I think we need to speak it into existence. Come on, <laughs> Reese. Come on out. Reach out to Hannah. Yes. Uh, so how, how do listeners, either for this podcast, your, how do they get in touch with you or learn more about the podcast or the Women's Social Club? So our handles on both IG and TikTok are at Women's Social Club. We are also on LinkedIn at the Women's Social Club. Um, and then our website is thewomensocialclub.co. That's great. I hope everybody reaches out and I can't wait to see the continued success of the business. Thank you. Thanks so much. That was Hannah Weisberg, CEO of the Women's Social Club. You can connect with her and listen to her podcast by visiting the website, thewomensocialclub.co. That's thewomensocialclub.co. If you're a founder or business owner and need legal advice, we'd love to hear from you. You can start by visiting our website at hutchlaw.com. That's H-U-T-C-H-L-A-W dot com. We have the capacity to help you out with just about any legal need your company may be facing. We're passionate about the innovation economy and ready to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. This show was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Trevor Schmidt, and we'll talk to you next time on the Founder Shares Podcast.